0: The following program is a podcast1.com production.
1: I'm so glad you're with us on The Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our website. When you have a question for me, Clark.com slash ask. Coming up in 20 minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment. You have just won the publisher's clearing house. Publisher's clearing house is legit. People trading on their name not. I have a new wrinkle, a new warning for you so that you don't get ripped off that's coming your way again in just 20 minutes and in a half hour I have a prescription for you to lower the costs for technology at your house. It just got a whole lot easier. I'm going to talk you through who can really benefit from this and who maybe should give it a pass. I want to talk right now about you saving money when you're shopping either online or in a store. Consumer Reports did a survey that found that people who, for lack of a better term, bargain when they're buying any kind of electronics, the percent that bargain is roughly... One in every seven people. But those people who do bargain, two-thirds of the time, get a lower price. The average amount you save, about $80. So it's just a matter, if you don't ask, you don't get. Now, I've never actually thought about, in a store, when something's on sale, asking, hey, can I take that down some but i have over and over again looked online with frugal is the app i is the service i use frugal.com on my smartphone but there are several others and i'll comparison shop and i'll ask the person hey i found it at this price right here in stock do you match that and with nearly 100% success in that scenario I get the deal. Now, our producer, Joel, recently you were buying some shoes online? Bought some
2: shoes online. That's right.
1: Now, you only wear one kind
2: of shoe. Is it more of those things? (laughs) That's true. I do mostly wear Converse All-Stars, right? Is that what you were getting this time? No, it was a different kind of shoe, surprisingly. No way. It was. Okay, what are you wearing right now? (laughs) Uh... The blue high top Commerce All Stars. Yeah, I, yep. I've only
1: ever seen you. It's pretty.
2: It's pretty rare, but so I did buy. Anyway, another so
1: you do a change up. You're buying a different pair of shoes,
2: and it was a great discount. It was some um, some shoes that are really well made, great walking shoes, and uh, they were they're like normally a hundred dollars shoes, and they were discounted down to forty dollars. But I decided. What if I could get a coupon code that would save me even more? So I called the customer service line, got somebody right away, and just asked. And they sent me a 30% off coupon code. They, they don't know who I am, just a regular, regular person. And they sent me a 30% off uh, coupon code straight to my email that I used to get the, the shoes even cheaper for under 30 bucks.
1: Now, the other thing when you're shopping online that I want to repeat that we haven't talked about in probably a year and a half is that when you're shopping online and you find something at a price you think you might want to buy it then go do a private browsing session uh, that's the term that Chrome uses for it. each thing like um, Firefox and Explorer they have a similar kind of thing uh, actually it's called in- incognito window new incognito window you open that Private browsing, that must be Firefox. Anyway, so you open the incognito window and it gives you anonymity when you're shopping for that item. And often, you will find a different price, particularly at a place you bought from before, if you shop anonymously comparing to when they know who you are. Which will be lower, which will be higher? Will vary. But doing both may well get you the lower price now i know people who go into even like a walmart and start trying to bargain on the price of something i've never done anything like that i i I don't picture that because a lot of them aren't going to be the electronics kind of items or appliances that it's so easy to comparison shop on steve is with us on the clark howard show hi steve
3: Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call.
1: My pleasure to have you.
3: Um, I was wondering if you can tell me about these lakefront bank liquidation properties I've been seeing in mail flyers and hearing about on my local radio station.
1: Was $149,000 now available for $8,750 liquidations, once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. How am I doing?
3: Well, it sounds like you're the guy.
1: <laughs> How close was I to the numbers on the offers that you've seen?
3: Well, I'd, I'd say you're right on the money there.
1: Real, I was just making that up. I've seen so many of those things. All right, you yeah. want to know the real story?
3: Yes, please.
1: Okay, during the real estate bubble, people were pouring money into developments at third-level lakes, fourth-level lakes, remote mountain communities, and the value of the land was being bid way up, and it, everybody thought it was the path paved to gold. And so all these developments failed, almost without exception. They were going on uh, early to mid-last decade. And so now here we are, mid-next decade, and they're still sitting with all these lots that are they are basically phantom communities. Most of them, nothing's actually ever happened at them, and so the the banks are trying to, or if hedge funds or whoever ends up with the property, they're trying to turn what they bought for, like almost no money, back into some value. So they may have had some truth to them. It may have been twelve years ago that they were selling lakefront lots for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. The hedge fund may have bought those lots for $1,500, and now they're trying to market them for $10,000 or whatever they can get. Right. The reality is the there was so much speculation and so much hype that the things were never worth anywhere near the was on those brochures, and they may not even be worth the is being asked for now. you got to know an area and no intrinsic value before you get into it. You know what else you got to know? What's that? Are there utilities there? Okay. What's it like to get utilities? Um, what is the fire protection in that area? You know, in most areas, there will be a fire protection rating, and you don't want to buy in an area where, essentially, if anything happened, your your cabin or home or whatever you would build there burns to the ground. And my favorite of all is if you do buy at a lake or you buy in a mountain community, buy finished construction because they're a deal and you don't have to worry about can you permit it, can you pert for um, having a septic field. You're buying something that's actually there that you can start using right away, what I call fast food resort home.
3: Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested, but I'm, I'm very leery. and I'd- You should be i absolutely do not want to go attend a, a high pressure sales
1: don't page. and i'll tell you there are so many people who have bought raw land at resorty kind of areas that cannot get rid of those lots no matter what and they have to keep paying for them and that's no fun at all so what is your goal
3: well it would be a long term goal maybe some place to retire or maybe just some place to go to on the weekends if, you know, if conditions permit
1: alright then, then completely forget the raw land thing and follow what I said a minute ago buy something that's an actual place that you can go to that's done that's finished that's there and those are a deal anyway too Martha's with us. Hello, Martha. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show.
4: Hi, how are you?
1: Great, thank you, Martha. How can I serve you?
4: Well, our family have decided to make a trip to Iceland.
1: Really? I'm so jealous. I've not been
4: yet. Yeah, so it should be interesting. And we've we've made our airline reservations. And now I was shocked when I went to make car reservations. I'm a preferred member at one of the big car companies. And their rate for the week was seventeen hundred dollars.
1: Seventeen hundred dollars.
4: Yeah, yeah. What size
1: vehicle be, are you trying to get?
4: Well, a car that will hold five people. So, you know, not a mini car, but just you know, like an SUV or a van.
1: Okay, and you know, in Europe, when you rent a minivan, you'll usually pay a fortune for that. Okay. And, uh, that's not unusual, but I'm looking on Rentalcars.com, and I'm seeing rates a whole lot cheaper than that.
4: Okay, so maybe just not go through my big company.
1: Yeah, I'll go ahead and say who you who your preferred renter company is. Hertz. Okay, so Hertz. I use Hertz, but for vacations, usually they're not going to be the cheapest. I mean, what they're about is convenience for the business traveler.
4: Right, and that's what I used it for.
1: So if instead... oh, Do you have Hertz rental credits where you can rent for free? Yes. Can you just rent a big vehicle from them for nothing in Iceland, or how do they do the credits? Well,
4: it said it wasn't... My points weren't eligible for Iceland. Oh. I I haven't called and talked to anyone. That's just what the website flagged up.
1: All right, well, I'd like you to go to a website called autoeurope.com. Okay. see what they have in Iceland, and use rentalcars.com as i'm looking now a seven person people carrier you know like a big big suv is 700 dollars a week
4: oh okay that's much better
1: and if you go to something that's what they consider to be a five person carrier they're 400 a week okay but what they consider to be big enough for five people i don't I'll tell you, I don't see them as five people cars. In Europe, they they think that they have plenty of room when they have five people in what we would consider to be a subcompact.
4: Okay, and we'll have luggage also, so that adds extra.
1: And generally, because of the cultural difference with how we look at rental cars and the Europeans do, you yes. book at one of the websites like Auto Europe or... Rentalcars.com, even Expedia.com, you look at any of those, and they'll tell you how many bags the car will hold, how many people the car will hold, so you don't get there and and they say, well, I don't know how you're going to put all that luggage in this.
4: Okay, perfect, perfect.
1: And one key rule.
4: Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: Key rule. Go ahead and reserve a vehicle now that's a refundable vehicle or one that you pay when you arrive, Okay. And then reshop the car the week before you go. Okay. Because often with European rentals, the highest rates are months out, knowing that most people book their car when they book their flights and then they never look again. Right. And then the rates usually go down a whole lot just before you travel.
4: Okay. Good Good information.
1: And you had one other thing you wanted to ask me and I stepped over. Is there anything
4: special that we should do with money or just...
1: No, in Iceland, Iceland is a big tourist destination now, and you'll be able to pay for things just like you would anywhere else using your existing credit cards. Just make sure you use a card. that doesn't charge big foreign currency junk fees.
5: Okay, perfect.
1: And have a great, great time. I've wanted to go to Iceland for, gosh, probably 20 years, 30 years, and I just haven't gotten there yet. Isn't it great when absolute strangers really celebrate your birthday with you when it's legit? Today's Clark moment is how fraudsters, crooks, will steal your money by preying on you using well known and recognized brands to steal from you.
2: Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment.
1: The latest ripoff involves people trading on Publishers Clearinghouse, Poor Publishers Clearinghouse, perfectly legitimate organization, but has such name recognition that crooks come back to that well again and again and again, impersonating Publishers Clearinghouse to steal your money. This one says, blah, whatever name you are, it's your birthday, and it's a virtual gift-wrapped, and you're supposed to click Open Me. And because it's your birthday to celebrate, we have a special prize opportunity for you. But you won't find out till you click. Now, this exclusive prize isn't for everyone. Only valued friends like you, born in your month, are eligible to win. So make sure you enter to win by tonight's strict deadline. But wait. That's not all. When you continue on, you'll also be entered to win an incredible $5,000 a week for life prize. This could very well be your best birthday ever. So don't miss out. Click open me now. Except it's not from Publishers Clearinghouse. They don't send emails like this. They don't tell you you've won anything like this. And... You should know that there's a rat here. One of the interesting things is that the address looks like it actually came from Publisher's Clearinghouse. But when our sharp detective put the mouse over the address, it wasn't Publisher's Clearinghouse at all. It was a bogus address. And this happens all the time with people who send you emails pretending to be from your bank, pretending to be from your credit card company, pretending to be from Netflix, Apple, Google, whoever. Do not click and respond to emails from a well-known and recognized organization, particularly when they say that there's been account fraud or anything like that, because all they're doing is predicting the future The account fraud is going to happen after you click on their link and cough up personal information that's going to allow them to commit fraud against your account. Rocket
0: Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports this podcast. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust, someone who's got your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in just minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com slash save. That's quickenloans.com slash S-A-V-E. Let Rocket Mortgage help you get the exact mortgage solution that you need. Go to quickenloans.com save. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLS NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030
1: so glad to have you here on the clark howard show where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off clark.com is our website our deal site is clarkdeals.com i got a deal for you i've been really noodling this over the last couple of weeks when the cell phone industry now universally Introduced with Verizon being the last holdout, unlimited data plans. It became clear to me that if you live alone, or you live with roommates, or it's uh, you're you're just a couple, you know, married couple or whatever, that you may be able to really scale back your technology costs in your house by ditching your home internet connection. Because now, if you're on an unlimited data plan on your cell phone, or if you could consider doing this, and you pay whatever price you pay for home internet, let's say you pay a typical $60 a month for home internet, there's $720 a year you could cut out of your life. And so with the unlimited data and the fact that the, the mobile networks, the digital side, the data side are getting faster and faster and faster. You are in a position, since you have the unlimited data on your cell phone or can add it, to eliminate an expense in your life. And wherever you are, even in your own home, you have the internet access. So let's talk about some of the things involved with that. So in my household with so many people and so many gadgets and all that, this isn't for us. It wouldn't work for us. But again, if you're an individual, you're a couple – or a number of roommates sharing an apartment or whatever, it will be something that could work very well for you. So think about this. If you get a device called a Chromecast, from your phone you can stream video content, and now with uh, T-Mobile and Verizon in high def with the unlimited data, you're able to stream the video content straight to the TV, using your phone as if it's a remote and watching whatever you wish without having pay TV either. No more satellite, no more pay TV from the phone company or the cable company. You can just straight out have your TV through your phone wherever you are. Now there's one big hole in this guidance and advice. So T-Mobile and Verizon, which right now give you the most hotspot use from your smartphone, which is 10 gigs a month, if you use a laptop very heavily, you very well may blow through those 10 gigs. And so it may be a faulty suggestion for you using your cell phone as your data service for your home but there are tens of millions of us that would benefit from disconnecting the technology in our home and using the phone as the technology data point as the connecting point and all you'll do is save money if you aren't aware of everything that's happened in the last few weeks, with how much cell phone plans came down in price and what you get becoming so much more generous, go look at our cell phone plan guide at Clark.com. Jennifer joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Jennifer, your credit score has dropped like a rock. Is that right?
5: Yes, sir. And it truly is an honor to speak with you, Clark. Well,
1: it's great Uh, to have you here, but I'm sorry, under these circumstances, how much ahead have you taken?
5: Uh, I was in the eight, upper 800s, and now I'm at 693.
1: All right. Well, let me tell you, you may be looking at two different scales. Okay. Because the traditional scoring model caps at 850. Okay. There is a um, what is often referred to as a FICO score, which means it's not a real FICO score called a vantage score and there are also a number of other scoring models so the two scores you got the one that was upper 800s and the one that you said now is in the 600s hundreds—yes, were they from the same exact source
5: no uh, the 800 was probably over a year ago and the the low or the 600 one showed up on my credit card when I went on site to pay and they were showing me my new FICO score.
1: Okay, so that was an actual real FICO. So the one that would have more credibility would be the one you just saw and just saw now? You want to know why your score is hurting you, right?
5: Right. I mean, because years ago when I went in for a mortgage, I was in the upper 700s. Which is
1: phenomenal. That's great.
5: Yeah, and I paid that mortgage off. I paid off my student loans, I've not no scars on my credit whatsoever. Everything, you know, balances are paid off every month. And so I'm just like, and I'm, we're building a house. And so we have been putting a lot of, of the bills on the credit cards to get the cash back.
1: Okay, I can't believe you took the question right out of my mouth. <laughs> because 30% of your credit score is based on how much of your available credit you're using. So if you're charging a lot right now in the process of working on this home, correct, that could lower your score a couple of hundred points.
5: But even though I'm paying everything off every month... I mean,
1: okay, I- it, this is weird, but believe it or not, when you look at how each item would report on your credit report, even though you pay in full, they report to the Bureau... And then for the scoring models, what your high balance was, not that your balance went to zero and you paid for it. Oh. So I'm going to tell you, if you're what's called a net payer, you pay your balance in full, I'm going to tell you how to get that score back like that. What I'm going to tell you to do will take two months for you to get that score back healthy. Okay. So you're charging all kinds of stuff to this card set up online access to your credit card account, and then see what your balance is approximately about a week before your statement closing date. Okay. Pay that balance then, and then what will be reported is the teensy tiny balance that will show on your closing date instead of the balance they're reporting, which is the balance they bill you for that you then pay in full okay did that make sense you want to try that again (laughs) hey let me try that again all right so you get a statement from them and then you pay that statement in full what they're reporting is that statement balance if before they would send you a statement because they do a statement based on a uh, charges up to a certain date right that's called the closing date for that statement If you go look seven days before your closing date, see what your balance is seven days out, pay it right then. It's going to credit the payment before that closing date. I see. It's going to take your ratios from where they've been to almost zero, and then your credit score is going to skyrocket.
5: Okay, great.
1: Right. Now, let me give you another suggestion, too. Go to the website CreditKarma.com k-a-r-m-a dot com and sign up to look at you can look at your score you can look at your reports completely free and you'll be able to see if there's anything on your report that's an error that could be the reason your score dropped almost 200 points okay and what you're likely to see is it's the utilization thing I was just talking about excellent so you'll be able to heal it like that Awesome. Thank you, Clark. Sure. Best to you. And Emmy is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Emmy. How are you doing? Hey,
4: I'm doing well. It's good to speak with you.
1: Well, it's great to have you here. What did you get your degree in? You just graduated.
4: Uh, yeah, I'm about to graduate actually in May, and it'll be in business administration.
1: And what do you hope to do with that?
4: Um, right now I work with sort of facility operations, um, and I really enjoy that, working with the team of people, sort of managing um, them.
1: So wait, you already have a job and you're working your way through school?
4: I am,
6: yes.
1: Oh, I love that. (laughs) Because there's a double benefit to that. You develop a resume while you're in school showing great work ethic. And in addition, getting that experience does so much for you. But also you defray costs that you would have if you were not working and going to just going to school full time,
4: yeah, absolutely.
1: So that's awesome. How can I help?
4: Um, well, my name. So I'm graduating in May, and um, I have actually accepted a job for full time salary starting after I graduate. Um, but I have about fifteen thousand in student loan debt, and with my pay, um, I could max out that repayment and have it paid off in about three years. Um, but most of my friends and people my age that I know sort of choose the option of going with that um, amount that the loan repayment um, company sort of recommends. And so I'm asking if I should sort of space it out over the longer period of time than most people do it, or if I can pay it off faster, um, which I'm thinking I could do in three to four years.
1: What kind of interest rate do your loans carry?
4: Um, I think the average is like 4.1, and they're all, un- or they're all subsidized, but none of them have started accruing
5: interest just
1: yet. Okay, so I would say that if you set it up to pay them off over 10 years instead mm-hmm. of 3 or 4, since the effective interest rate is so favorable, and money okay. you would have put towards rushing the payoff of the student loans, I'd rather you start right from the get-go doing the retirement plan, the 401k or the equivalent, where you're going to be working, and or do a Roth IRA. Okay. Because money you save for the long term right out of school has a magnified effect over the years. I mean, you probably took courses on the value of compounding or had that in something Mm -hmm. in your business degree program. So the value of you putting money in, an example in a Roth IRA the money you put in now, are you early 20s? Yes. So the money you put in now will likely double every eight or nine years over your entire working lifetime. It grows tax-free, and you spend it tax-free doing the Roth. And so that is a higher priority for me, for you, than rushing to pay off a low-interest student loan. Gotcha.
4: Awesome. Okay, well, thank you.
1: And best to you in your career, that business degree will pay off for you all through the years.
4: (laughs) Thanks so much.
1: Okay, take care. Wow, a woman after my own heart. You know, I worked full-time through school, my master's was in business, and the benefit that gave me working through school. I can't even quantify the difference that made over my lifetime, that I was like, it's like I had a 20 yard head start and a 100 yard dash over my classmates. Well, we say meters now. William is with us on the Clark Howard Show. William, you have a question about a reverse mortgage. Is that right? Yes, yes. Thanks for thinking about calling
6: Sure. I have a question. I have an aging aunt and uncle. they in their late 70s, early 80s, and they're getting ready they want to sell their house in the next year or so, and they've got some repairs that need to be made. So, Somebody had told them to check into reverse mortgage, and and I wasn't sure if that was the the best way for them to go to finance the the repairs.
1: Definitely not. A reverse mortgage is a last option for people who want to remain in a house and are house rich but cash poor. Mm -hmm. But you said that your aunt and uncle want to move on in the next year or so. So reverse mortgages have massive upfront costs, okay. and the whole program is designed to stay in place and age in place for hopefully many, many years. If they're doing repairs so they can get a house ready to put on the market and sell, a reverse mortgage would be a terrible thing to do. Now, okay. as an alternative, I don't know if they'll qualify, but a home equity line of credit if they need funds to be able to do repairs to a home, is usually the most cost-efficient way to do the repairs.
6: What about the FHA uh, loan that, that's for repairs?
1: Well, that is generally for someone. Uh, it's called uh, I forget. It's called the two fourteen program. Or what the code number is, uh-huh. but that's when you buy a home that you buy in a condition that needs repairs, and that's most often what that is for trying to remember what that what number that's called but anyway um is the home equity line of credit not going to be possible for them
6: i they have good credit the house 203k
1: what did i call it krista just found it the the fha program's called the 203k what number did i call it 214 or something oh well i was close
6: Well, they have money in the bank, but they don't want to deplete all their funds out of their account. And so, and they really, they've been debt free for years. But so they're just looking at an option to, you know, for a short term loan, basically.
4: Well, that's
1: why the home equity line, and if they have money in the bank, that gives them more credibility, even without a normal job income, to be able to do a home equity line with the extremely low closing costs they usually have to do the repairs of the house, that's the route I would go. You know, you got a question for me? You can post it to an Ask Clark on clark.com, and then we take them right here on the air. And, Joel, who's the first Ask Clark you got? Clark, this one's from Richard. He says, my father recently passed away. Does my mother need her life insurance policy on herself any longer? Uh, Richard, first, I'm sorry about the loss of your dad. As far as your mom keeping life insurance, the purpose of life insurance is generally for... uh, replacement of income for people that depend on that individual. In the case of your mom, if it is a uh, policy that's known as a whole life policy that has a buildup in value over time, if she's owned it a number of years, normally it would be well worth it for her to keep that in place. Not always, but normally. There is a service that if it is anything other than a term life insurance policy that before you make a decision to keep it or dump it, I want to have that policy evaluated. There's a service called EvaluateLifeInsurance.org, which is a service of the Consumer Federation of America, and you can pay a fee that's roughly uh, right around $100 to have the policy evaluated and figure out what is the best thing to do with that policy. It is something that normally you cannot make a snap judgment about. On the other hand, if it's a term life insurance policy, the decision whether to keep it or can it would be based on the financial needs of survivors. If there is no financial need of people that would be survivors, then the policy should just terminate at its next renewal period. Don't renew the thing. Don't pay the premium.
0: So far in 2017, Forbes and Podcast One have already launched three highly acclaimed shows. The interview with Steve Bertone features the business world's most interesting names, like Adam Carolla, Twitter founder Sean Radd, and Hollywood's own Jessica Alba. So
4: I spent a lot of my childhood in hospital and hospital beds. Under
0: 30 with Steve Goldblum talks to the movers and shakers, like Nation Builder CEO Jim Gilliam and NFL Big Game winner Martellus Bennett.
5: guys are afraid to be themselves because of their marketing deal. And
0: the list with Art of Charms' Jordan Harbinger. We'll get behind-the-scenes insight and information that doesn't make the print cut next up sports money with mike ozanian talking to team owners athletes and industry leaders about the enterprise and money behind supreme athletic competition forbes on podcast one not just entertaining informative subscribe now at itunes and don't forget to rate review and share
1: I'm so glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your dollars and cents. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can save more, spend less. Don't let anybody ever rip you off. Clark.com is our website. When you want bargains, you want deals, check out ClarkDeals.com. Coming up a half hour from now. If you own your own home, it seems like there's always something at your home that may be calling out for your attention. Could be a problem with the gutter, whatever. How do you decide, with only so much time, so much money, what's a priority at your home and what's not? I'm going to give you some guidance on that in just 30 minutes. So I got a dilemma for you. The other day, I'm at a fast food restaurant. That's not a dilemma. I go... Fast food restaurants a lot. And I've finished eating, and I'm walking back to my car. I don't do not do drive throughs You do want to hear of my whole explanation about why I don't do not do drive throughs but I won't do drive throughs So I'm walking back to the car, and on the ground adjacent to the drive-thru, I see a $20 bill. And I pick up the $20, and what I did with it is I went back to the drive-through window with the intention of giving it to the person at the window, figuring that when somebody was paying, the money blew out of their hand, they didn't realize they might come back later and say, "Hey, I lost twenty dollars here. I don't know if somebody does that. It just I knew it wasn't my money. Well I'm walking over to the drive-through and this guy, in a car in the drive-thru line sees me pick up the 20 and he and sees me walking with him. he says, give me that 20. Well, there's something about me that's really dumb. But I flash tempered on him. I said, no. <laughs> and unnecessarily foolishly escalated the situation. The guy gave me a look like he was going to kill me. But anyway I then went to the drive through window, squeezed between the car that was at the window, and handed it to the person at the window and said, you know, I found this money on the ground, person may come back for it, here it is. Okay, <laughs> cashier looked at me like, you are Looney Tunes. Am I Looney Tunes? Am I ridiculous? What would you do? I mean, I didn't know what to do. It wasn't my money. It would be ill-gotten gains if I took it. And then this guy sees me pick it up and figures, he thinks I'm Looney Tunes. He thinks I'll just give him the money. I'm not going to give him the money. What should I have done? I am really like perplexed with the reaction I got.
5: You know... I appreciate the part of you that wants to get involved and give that back. But I I do have a different opinion on this because I've lost things before. And the first thing I do when I lose them is I go back to exactly where I lost it. And I feel like by inserting yourself in the situation, you've already made it less likely for the person who lost that bill to find it. Plus, now what is the cashier supposed to do with it?
1: I don't know. That's Kim, by the way, you're hearing, producer Kim. So, in your mind, I should have seen the 20 on the ground. And just kept walking and minding my own business.
5: I, I do think that because it's, it like you said, it's not your money. You're not going to keep it. But then you are, in my opinion, complicating the future by picking it up and then moving it somewhere else. I changed history. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I did history. So,
1: Joel, what, would, what do you think? I mean, hearing me talk about this. Yeah, that's a tough one.
2: I think if there's like a lot of foot traffic, I would be a little nervous that, somebody that's not as honest would pick up the money and take it for themselves like the guy that
1: you encountered yeah, so encountered is would that have been terrible if that guy would have just shot me that would have been bad that would have been really bad i'm glad that didn't happen no i was thinking about how foolish i was to snapped at him There's different ways i could have handled sometimes in
2: the moment right yeah. but but yeah so i think i've Depending on the foot traffic, if there wasn't if there wasn't much, I would have probably left it there in hopes that that person would have found it. But if there's a lot of people milling around, I would consider giving it to someone with a little more authority in the situation like you did. So what do you think my wife said? She probably
1: called you an idiot for getting in an argument with a guy? No, no. no? Well, she thought that was not smart. <laughs> but her idea was I should have picked up the 20 and given it to a charity. I should have taken it and just donated it somewhere, since it wasn't mine, and it would be likely impossible to figure out whose it was that I should have donated it, so. It's a
2: little different if it's money as opposed to, like, a personal item, too, right? So, like, that could be a valid thing to do with that money, but yeah, if it's. Yeah, whenever
1: I find an iPhone 7. You hold on to that. I hold on to it and just start using it, like <laughs> No. no, no, uh, you know. People don't let people use iPhones. They (laughs) use Androids. Anyway, so I want to know where your head is on this. I want to know what do you think should happen in case did I stick my nose in where it didn't belong? So we have a poll question for you at Clark.com for you to set me straight what I should do. Because we all get hit with these dilemmas from time to time in our lives. What do you do? You know the funny thing is that when somebody has an opportunity like that, a lot about what they do has to do with whether they think somebody's watching or not. Said is with us on the Clark Howard Show. How are you today? Uh, said. Said. Oh, I'm
3: sorry. No problem.
1: I've never seen by, Clark, a you? name spelled like yours that was pronounced as said. That's funny.
3: Yeah, I, I always say it's said, like he said, she said. Okay.
1: well how can i serve you
3: well i've got a precarious situation i'm working on my credit it's not bad but i'm in the repair mode after having to have used it i maxed out some cards i'm starting to pay them down and now i'm looking at my credit file and i'm trying to figure out what to do first i have two state tax liens they're maybe like $700 apiece, and I have the credit cards that I've pushed to the limit and are on their way back down. And I'm trying to figure out, as I get my extra money, which I'm starting to do, where do I put it first to get the greatest effect on my score to bring that score back up?
1: State tax liens. Okay. Because once those are satisfied, your score starts healing from those. But as long as those sit out there, they're like uh, they're like a gaping wound. Okay. So
3: they really get, have that much effect.
1: Yes. So you get okay. those taken care of, that by an, itself will be a good step to healing. And okay. have you ever heard me talk about using score simulation?
3: Yes, a little bit.
1: Have you tried any score simulators?
3: Only on the actual site of the bureau that okay, I was looking That's at.
1: all right, and it, it shows you if you do this, this will boost your score this much over this period of time, that kind of thing?
3: Yes, but only if it applies to what you're looking at. When I went on there recently, none of the simulations would actually do anything for me.
1: Okay, well, they're an imperfect tool, but they will be able, hopefully, to guide you over time. Yeah. There's a site that I'd like you to register for, maybe you already have done so, Credit Karma, K-A-R-M-A. I,
3: I just registered, but I haven't had time to go through the site.
1: So is as you have it review your credit, it'll update your credit each month, you'll be able to see what the moves you're doing to first get those liens satisfied, and then over time as the balances come down on the cards you'll be able to see the effect of your credit healing. Now, I do yeah. need to ask you, though, on the credit, did you have a lot of what are called over-90s where you oh, did no, not... no, 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 no.
3: Perfect pay history.
1: Oh, well, then let me tell you, if you had perfect pay history and the only thing that's out there that looks really screaming ugly is the two-state tax liens, right. once those are satisfied, the natural process of you paying down the balances on the credit cards will heal your credit. Okay. It'll work like magic. All right.
3: I was at a 680. That seemed to be the best I can do. Uh, 680, is that on a FICO uh, scaling? And then I opened up some new accounts, which was actually good because they were major credit cards, you know, bank cards. Um, And then... I ended up with my Kofui where I ended up having to max out my cards and use my savings and my credit to stay afloat. Yeah, but so
1: through now, that. Uh, but now it, it's reflective, you know, it's like you had a flood coming in your life, obviously, and now the water's receding. Yes. And this is all part of the healing process.
3: Well, now that I know which way to go. That's a good deal. I will go and spend some time on Credit Karma, and I'll also spend some time on your site, because I'm sure there's some good health plans there as well.
1: Well, that sounded like a commercial. (laughs) 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 Well, the most important thing is I want your credit picture to steadily get better and better, and I hear the discipline and determination in your voice that's going to make that happen. And good luck with that. I'd love to hear back from you in about a year and hear about the progress you've made. Follow me at Facebook.com slash Clark Howard. Our web address, Clark.com. When you got a question for me, go Clark.com slash ask. Jason's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jason. Hey, Clark. How you doing? Good. Congratulations on your upcoming wedding.
3: Thank you so much. How can I serve you? Well, me and my fiancé, we want to know just pretty much how we can build our credit uh, to prepare for, you know, to get a new house. So what kind of credit cards would be best for us to get together to build our credit up so we can be able to get our first house?
1: Well, believe it or not, I want you to get credit separately. Okay. And do either of you have a a Visa, MasterCard, Discover, or American Express yet?
3: Um, No, I don't have any of those and she don't either. The only thing I have... It's just a uh, retail credit card. All right, so
1: so store cards don't help a lot. Okay. So the thing that I'd like for both of you to concentrate on, do either of you work at a place that has a credit union as part of working there?
3: Um, Yes, my last employer, I'm still actually with the credit union from when I'm working with the county.
1: And do they have an office near you? Yes. I'd like you to go make an appointment with a loan officer Okay. And see if the credit union you have access to has what is often referred to as a Fresh Start program, where okay. they help you establish your first credit card account. Typically at a credit union, it'll be a Visa or MasterCard. Okay. And for your future bride, same thing, is for her to join a credit union, and she should join one specifically that offers a Fresh Start program. It's not the term they all use. It's kind of the generic term for it, which is kind of like a starter credit card program. Okay. Which is much better than what you might get in the mail, which is for a secured card. Okay. You want a a real one. And that will be one of the most important steps you can go through to start building a credit history that will help the two of you when you do want to go buy your first home. So how soon are you thinking of buying that home? Is this a year or two away? Probably a year or two or two, three years. Okay, that's great. I would say two to three years is what you need to develop enough good history and payment record for you to have the kind of credit you're going to want to have to buy that first home together. Congratulations again. Follow me at facebook.com slash howard. Our web address, Clark.com. When you got a question for me, go
5: Clark.com
1: slash ask. Phil is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi,
6: Phil.
5: Hey, Clark. Thank you for taking my call.
1: It's great to have you here, Phil.
6: So, I had a question for you. I had recently thawed my three credit reports to get um, when I was applying for a new credit card. So, I put a temporary thaw on those and I'm curious how you go about verifying that that thaw has now gone away and the credit file was frozen again.
1: So what you do is with each bureau you have some form of sign in where you go when you went to thaw the reports temporarily and with TransUnion you have an account set up and with Equifax and Experian you have kind of a mask you go to to request a thaw. If you go to those processes but don't go as far as paying to put a thaw in place, you'll be able to see if a freeze is in effect. So simply by going through the steps that you went through to thaw the report before, you go only as far as you're able to see where they say, you know, your credit – is frozen if you wish to place uh, a thaw in effect, blah, blah, blah.
6: So basically you just go through like you're going to freeze it again, and if it's already frozen, it'll say you can't do that.
1: Actually, the reverse. Right. If, you go, if you're go, if you going and you want to thaw it, you'll see if the freeze is still in effect. Because you said oh. if I go to freeze it, I can see if a freeze is in effect.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, so if you go to thaw it...
1: That's how you'll it. be able to verify because because they won't let you proceed to pay them money in a money if you live in a state where you have to pay money to thaw. Most you don't have to pay, but anyway, you still have yeah. to go to a step saying you want to do it. It would already show you were thawed, and you wouldn't have any further to go. Yeah, so it was he,
5: just very difficult. They don't
6: make it very easy, number one, to see it online, whether it is or it isn't. And then if you tried to call, like I tried to call a customer. Oh, don't I bother. you say no service, you <laughs> yeah. can't get a person.
1: Yeah, I mean, talking to the credit bureaus, I think it would be easier for me to get the dictator Putin on the phone than to talk to somebody who really cared and knew what he or she was doing at Equifax, TransUnion, or Experian. Right. So, and, but I'd, I'd rather talk to one of them than talk to Putin anyway. But if, you, if you're really worried that they didn't put your freeze back into effect, just use the automated system and you'll have your answer. You know, when you're a kid, there are a lot of things that you think exist. Unicorns,
0: dragons, mermaids, you name it. When you're a kid, it's real. But when you find out later that they don't, well, it's kind of disappointing. Of course, as you get older, you get over the disappointment. But when you're looking to buy a car, there's nothing worse than finding the one of your dreams online, and then you find out later it doesn't really exist. It's not true. That's why at TrueCar they show you real pricing on actual inventory. This isn't pricing offered to you by TrueCar. It's an actual VIN-based price from a TrueCar certified dealer in your area. Real prices. And these aren't just any dealers either. TrueCar certified dealers are a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency. They offer competitive prices and a faster, easier buying experience for you. It's a fact. True Car customers are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with the True Car certified dealers. And, on average, they save over $3,000 off the MSRP. So when you're ready to buy that dream car, visit TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast.
1: I'm glad to have you with us here on The Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Follow me at facebook.com slash clarkhoward. Clark.com is our web address. When you have a question for me, clark.com slash ask. Question for you, if you are a homeowner, so many things that can happen at your house. Houses are continuous maintenance projects. Some people find them to be money pits. Other people find it's just part of ownership. So the question is, when something is a problem at your house, when is it a problem that you deal with it stat, and when is it something that can be back burner? Well, what I have always heard from people in the home business is that if it involves water— You deal with it and deal with it immediately. That water penetration, water damage can tear up your wallet so badly, left unresolved, that that's the one thing in particular at your home you should always deal with. And I saw that Consumerist, the Consumer Reports blog, wrote what are the things at your house that must be dealt with right away, and four out of five of the ones that really need to be dealt with right away all in some way tie back almost certainly into water. Number one on the list, rainwater that's pouring over your gutters or or pooling or puddling down along the walls of your house on the ground. And these are things you've got to take care of because the damage that they can do to your house that would be terrible financially, not necessarily catastrophic, but terrible financially, is just not something you want to get into. It is one of those cases where an early repair is so much cheaper than putting it on ignore, which goes directly into the second item, a roof that has a problem that's leaking in any way, that uh, we had a leak around a chimney. And the second we found out that that was a problem, we got it repaired. It involved uh, kind of like a flashing material where the roof met a chimney. And water was getting in behind there, and the damage it could have done over time, significant. So we dealt with it. And we fixed it. And again, that's cheap. Ignoring it is expensive. Mold and mildew. You got mold and mildew. That means there is almost certainly a source of water somewhere. You got to take care of it. And, you know, a lot of people are very sensitive to allergies from mold. And you don't want to cause health problems. So you deal with that. Cracks in the foundation. See how there's like a theme here? All things that could be relatively minor but left unaddressed could end up being a real problem. So when you have cracks in the foundation, anything like that, so you deal with it. And depending on what you've got going on with the uh, foundation, you can repair that, but it's possible you could have one that is a serious foundation problem. I remember the second time ever I was looking to buy a home back in, how old was I? I guess I was 25. No, I was 27. I was looking to buy my second home. And I'm looking at this home, and it's it's great and all that, and we put in a contract for it, and then the inspector found a serious foundation problem. We would have been buying that trouble. You know what eventually happened? That house had to be torn down. The problems with the foundation were so severe. Left neglected, you can cause all kinds of issues for yourself. I just want you to know that you take care of these things. You avoid the big things. It's it's just like with your car. You avoid little problems with your car, you create big problems. Nicole is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Nicole.
4: Hey, Clark. How
1: are you doing?
4: I'm great. I'm so excited to talk to you because I listen to you all the time. Well,
1: I'm glad you're here.
4: <laughs> well, I finally found, followed your advice, and I froze my credit yesterday.
1: And your and was- life was ruined overnight? No.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no. No. <laughs> No, so I I printed out um, all the different pages with my different numbers from the three bureaus and your guide from online. So I have that at home, but I was wondering if you had any suggestions as far as when I'm out and about, if I decide I want to apply for a store credit or, you know, if I need to unfreeze it and I'm not at home, do you you have a suggestion or would you not suggest that?
1: That's the problem is you can't. So let's say... There's something that they offer you like, well, we'll give you instant credit and we'll give you this discount or that discount today. You will be inconvenienced by me having convinced you to freeze your credit because you don't want to carry those secret codes with you. Okay. You want to have them filed away at home. So if the need arises or want arises for instant credit, I have messed up your day.
4: That's probably a good thing,
1: though. Well, it you know, it's funny because it may avoid temptation to instantly come home with the new big screen TV or whatever with the instant right. credit. As a general rule, though, I should tell you, Nicole, I don't like store credit. Okay. Even if they offer you a discount, store credit does not reflect well on your credit score and credit report. Oh. And so it should be used very sparingly when somebody offers you something that's so extremely great that you feel like you need to do it. Okay. But your credit is in the deep freeze. Any credit you already have is fine and is usable, but any new credit, I have thrown a monkey wrench into it. Gotcha. But you know who I've really thrown the monkey wrench into?
4: Those stores.
1: No, the identity thieves. Yes. (laughs) You've done it. You've shut them down. (laughs) You're not going to have to worry about somebody else impersonating you. So that's why it's such a great thing you've done it. Oh, I should ask you, how long did it take you to freeze it with the three bureaus?
4: All in all, I'd say even reading your guide, probably like 15 minutes.
1: Okay. And that's the promise I make is that, that it'll be 15 minutes or less. Am I like a Geico commercial or something? Is it Geico or Progressive? Who does that? Fifteen minutes will save you. I guess that's Geico. So anyway, freezing your credit is not a major commitment, but it sure gives you major peace of mind in the event somebody's lurking out there pretending to be you. Debbie's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Debbie. Hi, how are you? Great, thank you, Debbie. You are a nurse now? That's correct. So what was nursing school like? Was it pretty difficult? Well,
7: I actually did nursing school with five children and a husband and two dogs. So <laughs> it was a second career um, choice. I did. And, and who was
1: and... the most difficult of all those things? Was it the husband or the two dogs?
7: The husband. <laughs> husband, yeah. <laughs> no, my family was extremely supportive. Um, my question is, I'm actually in the second phase. I'm getting right now my master's of science in nursing with a concentration on family nurse practitioner. Um, my question is, when I'm done with this program, which I'll be, it'll be completed in August. <clears throat> I'll probably start working in September as a nurse practitioner, but I will have about fifty thousand in student loans, and I wanted your thoughts on as far as paying that off. Should I take the typical 10 years i think my interest rate is about five percent and i know it does compound daily or take my first year salary and just put as much of it as i can toward paying that student loan off the first year that i'm working
1: all right now you, have, you like, got five, five kids years. and you're already trying to figure out how to accelerate loan payments so you're well, 50 I have grand
7: college yeah i already have two college kids oh, okay. and then the other three are in high school and middle school so we're all kind of Three of us, at least, are in that. My older, my older two kids who are in college—they don't have any student loans right now. They just—they've just, they've done the community college. They did dual enrollment in high school, and so they're actually just about done with what they can do as far as the community college classes. And then they'll head out to the four-year universities.
1: Well, your fifty grand—is it all federal?
7: Yes, it is. It's unsubsidized.
1: So, if it's all federal. With five kids and the financial needs you have, you're eligible to pay those back under a new program called Pay As You Earn. Okay. And because of the work you're doing, you'll be allowed to, if you wish, you'll be allowed to walk away from a significant portion of your 50000 in student loan debt after 10 years of work in what's considered to be a public service profession. Hmm, okay. So you're allowed to pay based on what will be calculated as your disposable income, which after all your family expenses and obligations will not be computed to be a lot. You'll be expected to pay 10% of the net disposable income towards your student loans. And then Hmm. you'll be considered to be current through the years doing that and whatever balance you have not paid off 10 years from now the federal government will eat it your your fellow taxpayers will be the ones that have to absorb it
6: okay so that huh. will be That's... your
1: choice you can go traditional 10 year and mm-hmm. pay it straight line off over the 10 years or you can choose to do pay as you earn and have forgiveness that will be your option it's out Now, there. as
7: far as pay as I earn, is that based on my individual income or when I file Overall taxes, we, family
1: disposable income.
7: Okay, which uh, my husband works. He's a logistics engineer, so... Um,
1: you might be paying them off all in 10 years anyway, then.
7: Yeah, I we probably would, to be okay. honest. So, okay.
1: so well, that is, that is your... Think. I just want to make sure you know that that's out there. There are people who feel that it's controversial but it's right. how it works so it's your choice if you choose to use that ability to pay under pay as you earn
7: okay that's stuff def- i hadn't really i didn't know that before so that's good to know about that
1: and okay. if you go i've got information on both federal repayment programs one called income based repayment and the other more favorable for you as a okay. as a nurse practitioner which is pay as you earn You can see how they work. You can go, when you finish school, to the website of the U.S. Department of Education. They'll walk you through your pay-as-you-earn options. And you know that I love what you're studying because I I I believe that nurse practitioners and physician's assistants are the absolutely key ingredient that's going to deal with our massive shortage of primary care doctors in the United States to hold up the quality of medical care in the country, you're making it happen, because people who go to medical school don't go into primary care except in teensy-tiny numbers, and that's leading to this giant shortage. Curtis is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Curtis. How are you today?
6: Hey, Clark. How are you doing today?
1: Great. Thank you.
6: Great, great, great.
1: Curtis, how may I be of service to you today?
6: Look like I have like a two part question that I'm trying to um, I'm trying to under understand something here. I'm trying to find out uh, what is the 26F program? Oh boy! And is it a and is it a good investment?
3: And how do you sign up for it?
1: Well, generally, uh, there are people out there marketing that there's this wonderful investment that'll lead to enormous wealth for you, and they call them 26F programs or 26F investing or whatever, and all it is is mutual funds.
4: Okay. That's what I thought it was.
1: So there's nothing magical or special or anything like that. I don't remember what the origin is of how mutual funds come under if Section 26F or something the SEC did or some statute or whatever, but it's just another term for mutual fund.
3: Okay. Now, will they be cutting that off pretty soon where you won't be able to use The Use
1: Actors mutual funds? No. No. There's okay. been a lot of people out there um, trying to create fear that Mm -hmm. being able to invest is going to change because of law or regulations or whatever, and I don't know why people are spreading lies like that.
3: Okay, okay. That's basically basically what I wanted to find out. Because I don't feel like, well, why would they cut this out for a certain reason? I I just didn't understand that.
1: All right, So, so let me take you a step back. So there are people out there who want you to buy investments from them, or buy their books, or buy their whatever, and they'll create the these um, fear factor kind of things, like saying oh. the government's going to take this from you. You got to get in now. I'm going to help you. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not like that, as you know. I'm just dull Clark, right? So right. <laughs> The thing that's key to investing for long-term financial security is you invest regularly, you know, like every pay period or every month, and you put money where it's diversified, where you're across a lot of different types of investments, and you make sure you're going into low-cost choices. And if you do that, you're, you're uh, consistent about putting money in either through a 401k at work or a Roth IRA or whatever, no. over time you build financial security. No. Okay. And Sorry. so 401k no. at work, you can't control a lot of what the costs are going to be with it. Except within the 401k your employer offers, there'll be usually there'll be funds that are low cost, some that are mid cost, some places There'll be higher-cost funds, so you go to the low-cost choices. And then for your own investing, like doing your own Roth, it's Uh so easy to go low-cost. You know, I have my investment guide at Clark.com that, like in 10 minutes, you can be set up with a low-cost Roth plan and already have it funded and set up for contributing every month. It's easy. The hard part is putting the money aside.
4: Right, for
1: it on oh, that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I don't care what they call it. We've had a, 26F is just one of the things that people have called me about. Another one is some crazy annuity code that has been pitched to people. Like, forget what that one is. And all it is is a way of trying to peddle annuities to people without using the word annuities. So know that the salespeople and the fear mongers are out there. Tune them out.
0: Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com.
3: Hey guys, David Smalley
0: here reminding you to check out Dogma Debate on the Podcast One app, iTunes, and basically everywhere else you could possibly hear a podcast. Dogma Debate is basically a way for you to peek in on conversations you've always wondered about. Say a hardcore anti-gay preacher meets an atheist who knows the Bible like the back of his hand, or a far-left social justice warrior meets a different kind of liberal who doesn't want to join in on the riots. On Dogma Debate, I talk to people who completely disagree with me, and I let them tell me why they think I'm wrong, why I should be on their team, and why they take such an extreme stance. And sometimes you'll just hear me hanging out with like-minded people and laughing during segments like Republicans Say the darndest Things or Fact Check Yo Mama. It all happens on Dogma Debate, right here on Podcast One.
6: What we're learning about the Manchester bomber. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. The father of the alleged Manchester suicide bomber says his son didn't do it. We don't believe in killing innocents, he told the AP. But the father reportedly was a member of an al-Qaeda-backed group in Libya years ago. That, according to a former Libyan security official. Meanwhile, police have carried out raids on a block of apartments in Manchester. Witnesses say they heard explosions. Alan Kinsey was a neighbor of the alleged bomber. The actual family that had been there, I'd, I'd never really come across them in bad ways. It was always, even when I said hello, they never seemed to speak back to you. He was just like kept themselves to themselves and that was about it. The British putting more military troops on the streets now as police say it's clear this is a network they're investigating. President Trump has arrived in Brussels for NATO meetings after a visit this morning with the Pope at the Vatican. I'm Rita Foley.